Chapter 18 of Cowardly Lion of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Kibbe. Cowardly Lion of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. Nada's Last Disguise. Of all his adventures, Bob remembered this strange concert longest. The fairy like music that even made the moon bend down to listen the drum-like accompaniment of Nick's snores, and the misty faces of the trees themselves, bending down in the dim starlight, all added to the enchantment. Bob could not remember falling asleep, for all through his dreams marched the music of the fiddles. But he must have slept, for opening his eyes suddenly, he found the sun out and shining merrily. He looked around to ask Nada whether he had dreamed about the fiddles or really heard them, but Nada was nowhere to be seen. Nick, too, had vanished. Rather alarmed, Bob jumped up. As he did so, a large green leaf with white lines traced on it fluttered to the ground. "'You may use the fiddle-bow boat,' said the leaf, and looking up, Bob fancied the big tree was smiling at him. So he made a stiff little bow, and, holding fast to the leaf, started off uneasily to find his friends. The sound of water rippling over stones took him to the left, for he was terribly thirsty, and in a few seconds he had come out on a rapid little stream." The water was so clear, Bob could see the white stones gleaming on the bottom. Throwing himself down, he took a long, satisfying drink. When he straightened up, he was astonished to see a boat tied to a slim birch that leaned far out over the water's edge. "'Why, this must be the fiddle-bow boat,' cried the little boy, hastening over to examine it. It was of a smooth and satiny garnet, and exactly the shape of a huge hollowed-out fiddle. It rode gaily at the end of its pink line, and this discovery only made Bob more anxious than ever to find the clown. Calling first Nada and then Nick, he ran back to the big tree, and just as he reached it was horrified to see a witch bending over the pile of leaves he had slept on. With a shrill scream, Bob turned to flee, but the witch came bounding and hobbling after, calling to him in pleading tones not to run away. But the more the witch called, the faster Bob ran, and he might have been running yet had he not tripped over the roots of a tree and fallen headlong. In an instant, the black hands of his pursuer jerked him to his feet. "'Bob! Bob!' cried the witch remorsefully. "'Don't you know me? Bob, it's Nada! Only old Nada!' "'Nada!' gasped Bob, for he was entirely out of breath and trembling like a leaf. "'There, there,' coaxed the clown. "'It's only one of my disguises.' As Bob continued to regard him with disfavor, he explained hurriedly. "'You see, we're going to this Emerald City, Bob, up where every other person is more or less magic. Now what attention would they pay to a silly clown?' Why, they might not even listen to me. But, if I pretend to be a powerful witch, Princess Ozma and the Wizard of Oz, whom we've been hearing so much about, will hasten to do what I say. You'll frighten them, said Bob stubbornly, but Nada shook his head. People in fairy cities aren't frightened as easily as little boys, he chuckled knowingly. And just look at what I found you for breakfast. In Bob's cap he had gathered nuts and berries of every kind, and Bob, seeing Nada was determined to go to the Emerald City as a witch, said nothing more but began to eat hungrily. After a hearty breakfast, Nick came flapping back and was so startled by the clown's disguise that his nose fell off the hook with a crash. But Nata soon reassured him, and, as Bob was tingling with impatience to show them the boat, they finished the berries in great haste. "'This is the friendliest forest I ever was in,' repeated the clown, viewing Bob's discovery with delight. "'This will take us out faster than we could walk, and it's much safer than the fly-about-a-bus. "'Now then, all aboard for the Emerald City.' Gathering up his witch skirts, Nata leaped into the fiddle-bow boat, and, seizing the long oar, pushed it in close to the bank. 
Snorer alighted on the end, and Bob settled himself cozily among the cushions. Merrily the boat went dancing along the stream, propelled by Nada's strong arm. The only thing that marred Bob's pleasure was the thought of Nada's disguise. But he determined to tell Dorothy, or the first person they met, that the clown was not a witch, but the jolliest fellow in the world. Somewhat comforted by this thought, Bob gave himself up to pure enjoyment. "'Did you hear the fiddles last night?' asked the little boy presently. "'Bob,' sighed Nada, "'I did, and never heard any like it in the whole of my travels.' "'It must have been my snoring you heard,' said Nick, preening his feathers busily, for he wished to appear at his best in the Emerald City. Nata laughed uproariously at this and almost upset the boat. They all felt light-hearted and gay, and Bob was no more like the solemn little orphan who had fallen into Mudge than Nick's snoring was like the music in the fiddlestick forest. "'I wonder if there are any other boys and girls in the Emerald City besides Dorothy?' asked Bob after a little pause. "'And I wonder if Dorothy ever heard of Un or Doorways?' "'You'll have plenty to tell this little girl from Kansas, eh, Bob Up?' smiled the clown, and Snorer, after adjusting his nose, related all that he knew of the Emerald City, which unfortunately wasn't much, as very little news of the capital ever came to Un. "'I hope the cowardly lion is having as pleasant a journey as this,' said Nada, as they skimmed along under the branches of the trees. "'And I hope Crunch is behaving himself properly.' "'I should think he'd be a hard person to get along with,' tripped Nick, giving the clown a nudge so he would be sure to see the joke. "'Because he's made out of stone, you mean?' replied Nada. "'Well, trust the cowardly lion to manage him.' "'Hello!' Looks as if we were out of the woods. A turn of the rapid little stream had brought them into a broad meadow, and the fiddle-bow boat stopped of its own accord. Guess this is as far as it goes, puffed the clown, after vainly endeavoring to push it forward with the oar. So we guided it to the bank, and they all hopped out. But it doesn't seem right to leave it here, observed Nada, scratching his ear anxiously. No sooner had he spoken than a tall tree near the edge of the water leaned down, seized the boat in its branches, and passed it along to the next tree, and in a second it was being tossed lightly from tree to tree, much to the amazement of Nada and Bob. With wonders happening every moment, you would expect them to be used to it, but each time they were newly astonished. When the last trace of the magic boat disappeared, they struck out across the meadow, for already over the top of a little hill they could see the sparkling green towers of the Emerald City of Oz. Nick, hopping sideways, paused every few minutes to see that his curly nose was safely on its hook. Nata began rehearsing long speeches he meant to make to the lovely little ruler of Oz, while Bob skipped between the two, nearly bursting with excitement. On the other side of the meadow, they came to the yellow brick road mentioned by Mustafa. From the windows of the little green cottages scattered here and there, the inhabitants looked at them curiously, and several of the quaintly dressed townfolk whom they met on the road, at sight of a witch, took immediately to their heels. But without waiting to explain themselves or talk to anyone, the three hurried on to the gates of the Emerald City itself. Bob gazed with round-eyed delight, Nick began to snort with surprise, and Nata, who had seen in the course of his travels every great city on two continents, was struck dumb with amazement, for the capital city of Oz outshone them all in beauty and magnificence. Its streets of green marble sparkled with emeralds, and the palace, rising majestically from its flowering gardens, shone with splendor in the bright morning sunshine. The guardian of the gate was breakfasting in his cottage, and Nick flew over the bars, and, turning the emerald key, quietly admitted Bob and Nada. "'Let us proceed to the main tent,' puffed the clown a bit nervously, for he felt ill at ease among so much magnificence. He had forgotten every word of his speech, and, with a sigh, resolved to stick to his old rules—disguise, politeness, joke, and run. "'Though I see no reason why we should have to run,' he muttered uneasily, settling his witch hat a bit more firmly. 
It was still rather early, and the gardens were deserted, but all at once Bob, who was a bit ahead of the others, spied a little girl in pink, sitting on the edge of a fountain, reading. "'It's Dorothy!' cried Bob, waving excitedly. "'She looks just like a picture in the lion book. Come on!' Immediately Snorer spread his wings and flung himself into the air. Nata grasped his black cloak, and catching Bob's hand, started on a run for the fountain. The flapping of Nick's wings made Dorothy look up. With a little scream she jumped to her feet, for any little girl, even though she is a princess of Oz, cannot help being afraid of witches. Help! cried Dorothy, turning to run. But just then she caught sight of a gold bucket that always stood beside the fountain, and she remembered an experience she had had long ago with the Wicked Witch of the West. Water had melted one witch, why not another? Seizing the bucket, she filled it hastily at the fountain and, just as the witch, strange bird, and little boy reached her, she flung its contents over the witch's head. "'Oh, oh!' screamed Snorer. "'You have insulted the most beautiful person in Oz!' Nata, taken completely by surprise, could do nothing but choke and splutter. "'Wait!' panted Bob, for Dorothy was refilling the bucket. But he was too late, and down splashed another bucket on Nata's head, carrying away his hat and drenching his black wig. Unable to speak, Nata began to wave his arms, and this was anything but reassuring to Dorothy. Snatching a little silver whistle that hung on a ribbon on her neck, she blew on it shrilly. The next instant, running feet could be heard on all the garden paths, and in a twinkling Bob and Nata were surrounded. "'What is it?' boomed Sir Hocus of Pokes, Dorothy's knight-errant. He brought his mailed fist heavily down upon Nata's witch-shoulder. The soldier with the green whiskers, not to be outdone, grasped Bob up, and Tick-Tock leaned over stiffly and seized Snorer by the neck. More and more people kept arriving, and though Bob tried his best to make himself heard, in the general confusion his voice was drowned out, and in disgrace they were marched to the palace. Ozma was having a quiet game of checkers with the scarecrow, and looked up in amazement as the company burst into the throne room. "'A witch!' shrilled the patchwork girl, dancing madly at the head of the procession. "'A witch! A witch! As black as pitch! Has come to steal your throne and sitch!' If they would only stop screaming, thought poor Bob, looking anxiously at the lovely little figure of Ozma of Oz. Just then they did, for Ozma, glancing in surprise and displeasure at the witch, raised her scepter for silence. End of chapter 18